0: Luke chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 23 through 27 this morning. So just by way of introduction, uh, I know some folks will be coming back to this in just a minute, but I don't know if there's, there's timeshare. Actually, you don't need to raise your hand because I'm not going to make timeshare owners probably feel good. But if you own like timeshare, do you know what like timeshare is? So, um, you know, some people like love timeshare. Some people like just can't wait to get out of timeshare. But if you don't know what timeshare is, like if you don't know the idea, like Like personally, I would love to own a house on the beach, but um, I'm short about $3 million from owning a house on the beach. So what timeshare is, right, is instead of buying a house on the beach, right, you get one fifty-second of a house and you get it for a week and you you share it with all this other company, right? So that's the idea of timeshare. And there's different companies do things differently and there's fees and trading and all that sort of stuff. And so uh, while I don't own a timeshare, I and I don't mean to brag, I have been to a, nov- a number of timeshare information tours. So these are like where they try to sell you timeshare. So I've been on a number of these. And typically the way we've done it is like they'll give you like you go somewhere for like, hey, we'll give you four days somewhere, you know, someplace nice. And all you, the only thing you have to do is go listen to the timeshare sales tour, right? So you have to give up. They say it's 90 minutes. It's like seven hours. But like if you go... And you listen to this tour, and you get like four free days at this place, and it's really nice. And they're just convinced that after being there for several days, you're just going to love it, and you're going to want to buy it, right? That's kind of their, the way they, they do their thing. And Em and I really, we, we enjoy and see a lot of benefit in going away together, and so this has been a way we've been able to afford going away together over the years is, is doing these timeshare tours. And what's that? Yeah, we're freeloaders, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you own a timeshare, like, we don't have to do the tour thing. You can just give us any length of time you want. We're happy to, we'll, we'll take you up on it. Um, yeah, so there is a limit on how many times you can do the tours. This is true. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are some that would give you like $150 to like Denny's and like... A, anyway, so um, we ate a lot of Denny's. Um, anyway, so, we, yeah, we, yeah they, we can't do it anymore. They have, some, they have a limit on how many tours you can do. You don't need to know our personal schedule. All right, so... But as you hear about this, right, and there's this thing where they they try to sell you on, you know, the tours are going the same way, like, hey, how'd you enjoy the last four days? How would you like that? Not just for a few days, but how would you like to experience this every year? You know, pool and golf and all the amenities, and you're just thinking, yeah, I I would love this, but I can't can't afford it. But then they're like, oh, that's because you're doing the math wrong, right? And so they start explaining numbers to you, and they're like, you can't afford not to do it, because they're like, all right, how much does a hotel room cost? Like $500 a night? And you're like, start listening to this stuff, and what's inflation right now? 25%, and like, That was before inflation was 25%, and they start giving you these numbers, and they're like, you can't afford not to do it, because guess what, in five years, a week at the beach will cost you $12,000. And you're hearing all this, and it's like, yeah, that that starts to add up and then but then you're like but then well I don't know if I want to come here every year and then like of course nobody wants to come here every year that's why you can trade it for any place in the world where do you want to go in the world we have like so many units there you can trade this for any time you want to go anywhere in the world you want to go like they just start selling you all this trading power you have with it and you're eating their free hot dogs you're eating their free donuts one of us is eating the free donut or hot dogs and donuts but like you're, you're eating all this stuff and you're just saying this is starting to sound pretty good right they're starting to to convince you of all this stuff just this lifestyle of free vacations and free hot dogs and all this sort of stuff, and they just keep telling you about the benefits, but it kind of hits you as you're going, like, you're not really telling us the true cost, are you? Like, there's more to it than, like, sort of, like, you know, it's like, it's like $20 down, right? Like, you just recognize, like, they're just, they're trying to sell you all the benefits without selling you the, the, the true cost. Recognize that's a sales technique many people have been using for a long, long time. And I think I've sadly heard the gospel Presented like this to many people, maybe if some of you have even heard the gospel presented like this, and be easy as Jesus is here in the Book of Luke as he's healing and as he's feeding thousands, as he's preaching the the, the, the of, a, of an ethic of a kingdom ethic as he's raising the dead, as he in their last patches just talked about explicitly for the, for some about the cost he will pay in his suffering and as his, his death, it's easy to think oh then everything is just totally free. There's no cost for me. I think you maybe you've even heard the gospel presented as if all you need to do is ask Jesus in your heart and you get a better life, you get eternal life, you get joy, you get peace. You get all reward and there's no real cost. Now to be clear, Jesus offers joy and eternal life and he pays the ultimate cost for us to enter in. But Jesus also wants to be clear, there is a cost to being a disciple. There is a high cost for following him it will cost you everything to be a disciple though we will gain so much more so last week we saw jesus declaring for the explicitly for the first time how he will have to go to the cross how he will have to suffer and how he will have to die and now we see following that immediately is and his followers will too Those who bear no cross will receive no crown. The main idea we're going to look at this morning is crossless Christianity is crownless Christianity. Crossless Christianity is crownless Christianity. So we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 27 this morning. But for just immediate context, we're going to begin reading in verse 18 of Luke chapter 9. So we're going to be reading 18 through 27, but the text we'll be studying together begins in verse 23. So with that, if you're able, if you could stand as we read God's word together. Just stand as we show our reverence to God's word. Beginning in verse 18, it says, Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Beginning in verse 23, he says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. You may be seated. Again, the main idea we're looking at this morning is crossless Christianity is crownless Christianity. Crossless Christianity is crownless Christianity. Those who want the crown, the reward, must first bear the cross. We're going to be looking at that through four points this morning, point number one is the terms of following him. The terms of following him. So in verse 23, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So he says there's, there's three things one must do if they would follow him. Now, just to be clear, so we don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying, the, the, these aren't ways that, that we get saved. Like this isn't sort of, how does one become a Christian? But he's sort of saying, okay, if anyone does follow me, though, if anyone does profess me, this is what he must do. This is what must sort of proceed from their confession. This is what proceeds from their claim of following him. This is what Jesus produces in our lives and must produce in our lives if we claim to follow him. So to be clear, what the gospel demands of us, the, the, what the gospel demands of our lives is, is repentance and faith. But what the gospel produces in our life, what Jesus produces in our life and, and, and must produce in our life is this lifestyle of obedience and of following him, of bearing, of taking up our cross. So this isn't how does one become a disciple, but what marks a disciple. What does a disciple look like? What does a disciple do in their life? And so first thing he, he says is that one must deny himself. Now certainly there's aspects of this where we would say that this is just denying our sinful desires and that that's true right we, we might have natural impulses natural desires we want to do that we simply cannot act on that we must submit to God's authority That just because one has a desire that doesn't mean it's for us that doesn't mean it's for us to walk in whether that be you know, some, some desire we have in anger to get even in the moment or to say something, whether it's whether you know, what we eat and drink and how much we eat or drink, or some sexual desire that we must put away sinful desires and habits. Now, it doesn't mean we deny, and to deny ourselves means, hey, we never do anything we like doing, right? Like that, that's what it means to deny himself, that we live this sort of life of no joy and no pleasure in anything. Like, if you're going to watch a movie, it doesn't mean, like, all right, what movie should I watch? There, there's, you know, this movie that I really love, it's beloved, and there's one that I really hate, and I, well, I guess I got to watch the one I hate, right, because that's about denying myself. No, that's not obviously what he's talking about, but it's this putting away of sinful desires. But, but it's really a much deeper principle than that, that, that he's getting at here. It, see, it means that When it says deny ourselves, it's not just denying certain sinful desires. It means we surrender control of our lives over to Him. It's not just that there's some desires we say no to. It's that we deny ourselves as ruler of our own life. That we recognize that He is the one in charge of of our life. It's His direction. It's His will. It's His ways. Now, to state what is, I, I hope, obvious, that means we need to listen to and to know and to obey His Word. So it's not the only thing it means, but it's sort of the bare minimum as we go to His Word and we say, okay, what does, what does that say about my life and what I'm meant to do? What is the ethic that I'm called to live in? Not what I feel like I want to live in, but He actually gives me direction for what I'm supposed to do. It means we need to look to Him and what, what does it mean for Him to be ruler of my life? So we must deny ourselves we, we we aren't in charge of our life we aren't our life doesn't follow like okay what are my dreams but what is his direction so we deny ourselves and then daily The we're daily just so we understand jesus is meaning daily he means every day we take up our cross now the cross is more than life can just be really hard at times Right, that, that's life on fallen earth. That's life this side of eternity. For believers and non-believers, for those that claim Jesus and that, that don't claim Jesus, life can be really hard. So the cross is something we must, we must carry, we must bear because of allegiance to Jesus Christ. Neville, Neville Geldenhus, I hope I'm saying that right, um, I think I quote that helped clarify what this means. He says, he who desires to become his disciple and servant will every day have to be willing to put his own interests and wishes into the background and to accept voluntarily and wholeheartedly the sacrifice and suffering that will have to be endured in his service. The cross is not the ordinary human troubles and sorrows such as disappointments, disease, death, poverty, and the like, but the things which have to be suffered, endured, and lost in the service of Christ which means like just slander, persecution, self-sacrifice, suffering, even unto death as a result of true faith in and obedience to him. So the cross is this daily bearing the burden because of allegiance to Jesus. It's this daily death. It's it, it, it's, it's, it's really a death by, by, by just decision, decision after decision, day after day after day of really primarily giving your life away in service of him primarily to others. It means losing your life as a parent. It means that you have these other people who, who, who you're raising and who, who, who've been entrusted to be in your home, that you put their interests above your own, that as you think about your goal for your children, that you put Christ's goal for your kids above your goals. And actually, not even above our goals, it's that his goals need to become our goals for how, 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 we, how we train our children, and that this book is how, sort of how we measure what success is and, and, and sort of what we are looking to in the training of the next generation. It's not just that we might be unpopular at school. It means we are unpopular because of him, because we took a stand for righteousness, because we say no to certain things, or we we spoke up when others were spoke when, when others were speaking against. It's these, it's these decisions we do to die to ourselves daily in allegiance to him. It, it's it it's it might be it, it might be saying no to to good things, the things that we would like to do, the things that we would find valuable that aren't sinful in themselves, but they're, they're not, they don't ultimately fit in what he is calling us to do. So we say no to certain things. We say yes to certain things. There's this, there's this just daily death that we die because Christ is calling us to walk in allegiance to him. And just a note on, on as we think about this, that the cross is, is, is a very personal thing that we each must carry. That that that, that 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 sort of I think sometimes people can look at it like, well, my cross is heavier, or my cross is harder, that my my cross is sort of, I'm carrying, you know, it's just mine, mine is particularly difficult. We need to recognize that God has designed that each of our crosses are meant for each of for for, for it to be hard so that it's meant to lead to each, for each of us our own personal death so that we can each be led ultimately to life. That that there's not this sense of comparing, well, man, you know, my cross is so much harder than their cross. We just you need to recognize that the way God has designed us that with the daily personal cross that we are meant to carry that hey, for me, this might not be a particularly big sacrifice. For me, there might be something that would feel you know not hard to do but for that person who is walking through it, for what Jesus is calling them, this is so difficult and so painful and they're having to put themselves to death in a hundred different ways to carry the cross that Jesus is designing for them to, to put their pride aside, put them not at the center of their life. And there's going to be certain things that I'm walking through that for other people might look like, why, why is that so hard? But for me, it's this daily death that I'm called to die. And so we just need to see that Jesus doesn't call us to some generic cross. So it's like, Okay, what's the American cross that we're meant to carry? But for each of us, we have a cross that we are meant to carry, that, that we are meant to sort of say, okay, what does it look like for me to be faithful? What does it look like for me to... to to, to live with him at the center and to sacrifice for the good of others, for the good of Jesus Christ. That, what does that look like in my life right now? And that we, as we think about it, there's going to be things where we need to just recognize that in one season of my life, it looked like this. But today, what is Jesus calling me to do in allegiance to him? What is this relationship I'm called to pursue? What is this relationship I'm called not to pursue in rela- it, because that, that w- what it looks like for Jesus to have me carry the cross he has designed for me. So we just need to recognize it's, it's not just this cross that we carried at one time, but daily we, we, we pick it up and we carry it. And we, there's just no value in comparing. There's not like an easier cross and a harder cross, but he has designed them each specifically for us to die to ourselves so that ultimately we could find our life in him. And I think there's this, this tendency too, and particularly I think, I don't know, Mo- I've seen this in sort of modern Western Christians at times, and it's not a high-level concern for this church, but just almost to, to confuse carrying one's cross with sort of to 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 miscalculate to, to kind of treat carrying one's cross is, is 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 wrongfully the same thing as sort of publicly weighing in on unpopular opinions. I mean, at times I think there's this sort of way of like. Almost that, that carrying my cross is I'm going to publicly speak into something that's sort of you know some culture war issue that's raging online, right? That, that carrying my cross is weighing in on that. And that's what standing and aligning with Christ is. That's, that's the cross. And I'm going to get, I don't know, some Facebook feedback and pushback if I do that. And that, that's carrying the cross. And I just want to of course, we need to boldly stand for the gospel. And of course, there will be things that we, we need to speak into culturally as Christians, but our cross isn't, as we think about the cross we're called to bear, it's not a bumper sticker we put on our car, it's not a slogan that we say the cross we carry. And ultimately, as as we think about even these cultural issues, that the cross is largely going to be a lifestyle of self-sacrifice for other real people that we're called to walk our lives with. And it's primarily going to be about defending the vulnerable and the confused and the neglected and the marginalized, that it's going to be self-sacrifice for their good, not largely just weighing in and being willing to receive criticism. It's going to be a, not primarily about debating, but about loving real people in our lives. So, so the cross I- I- is painful, and the cross always is painful, and it always leads to death, it always leads to dying, and it's a daily Decision. We we can't ever say, "Well, I had, a, I had a season where I really carried a cross for Jesus." It's like, no, it's a it's a daily thing. We 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 we, we pick up and we carry. Knowing the Lord, it, His mercies are new to us every morning, as is the cross we pick up. So we pick up the cross, we deny ourselves, and then it's thirdly, He says we follow Him. So His. Pathway is narrow and it's hard, and it means we care primarily about his passions and his leadership. That we don't, as we listen to his spirit, we read his word, we love his people. That he, here's the thing we don't get to create our own passions in life, but we, as his followers, are called to, to follow him where his passions lead us. And I'll also, just say that people who follow Jesus most closely and we, we just recognize they live, living for sort of what, what he is most passionate about, and that is his people here on earth, that that those who follow Jesus most closely are almost always those who who love his people most dearly and sacrificially. That again, to follow him is not primarily a a vague cause or idea that we're about, but it's about living our lives in service of real people and people that he loves and whom he died for. So those are the, the terms of following him. So crossless Christianity is crownless Christianity. Secondly, we want to look at the trade-off of following him. The trade-off of following him. Verse 24, 25 says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So we must pick up the cross. We must walk the way that, that, that leads to death. But walking this way, walking this road, what we ultimately see is it doesn't end in death, but it leads to life. So whoever rejects the cross, whoever rejects daily death, well, they actually, they don't, they don't preserve their life, they ultimately lose their life. And Jesus, that here it's, it's both this way, of, this way of daily death, the way of daily death leads to ultimate life and it's life in Him, it's eternal life, but it's also just this daily life that we get from making ourselves not at the center and of living for him. But, but here's the equation that, that Jesus is giving us. That if you try to avoid death, and that might be physical death, but if you try to avoid sort of living for him with him in control, if you live with I'm in control of my life and this life is about my preferences and my choices and my desires, not because all the st- desires are sinful and evil, But if you just define your life with you in control and you in the center of trying to get the best out of this life now of what you want in life, whether that's control or wealth or status or happiness or kids who make you look good or a spouse that makes you look good or certain friends or on and on, if you define your life with you at the center, if you try to keep your life in that way, you will lose and you have lost your life and you will lose your soul. See, the more tightly we try to hold on to this life, the more we just see the more it just the more it just slips through our hands. The more we try to tighten our grip on life, the more it just slips through our hands. So the trade of the cross is is life. So daily la- death actually leads to eternal life. And when he says basically that you, you that if you try to if you that when you lose your life or, or forfeit your life, he's using the same word for, for the idea of, of your soul, that ultimately when he says losing yourself, it's this idea of losing, it's the word for soul, it's, it's losing what is of ultimate and most importance. saying you, you can gain the world for you. You can gain everything in this world, and yet you will lose so much more. But if you lose your life for him and lose the, the, what, what is found in this world, that you actually gain everything. So if you gain this world, you can gain what is unimportant and temporary and vanishing and passing away and what will be forgotten, or you can gain what is eternal and valuable and of supreme worth. And sort of this math equation, right? So if you know in math, um, like hopefully all of you have gotten here in math, that like anything like time zero is still zero. So you can have like like one times zero is zero. Hey, if you don't know this one, like write this one down. This will save you a lot of time. Like one times zero is zero and two times zero is zero, zero is zero, right? And you can get up to a million times zero is still zero. And he's basically saying, okay, gaining the world, is just, it's just multiplying more times the same zero. Okay, get more of the world. Get more of what's passing away. Get more of what's temporary. Get more of what's not ultimate value. You still end up with zero. None of it is of passing and supreme worth. Jim Elliott famously said he was a missionary and martyr from the last century. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus Christ and following him will cost you everything, but you will gain more. So, crossless Christianity is crownless Christianity. Third, I want to look at in verses 26 and 27, the twist of following him, the twist of following him Verse twenty six says again, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Father and of the Holy Angels. But I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So we're going to primarily talk about verse twenty six. Just want to make a note about verse twenty seven. So he's talking about how some here will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. There, there's a couple layers of it, but the primary meaning of that is that at its core, what Jesus is saying is that he is talking to some of his disciples there who are physically present. They will be alive when the kingdom of heaven is, the kingdom of God is ushered on earth in, in a new way. So when we think about the kingdom of God, it, it's, it's God's people and God's place living under God's rule. That's ultimately heaven. But when Jesus died and, and ascended and, rose, and resurrected and ascended and he sent the spirit to his disciples... That what, what happened when the Spirit came is that, that we see the, the kingdom of the, the God's kingdom unearthed on, on and unleashed on this earth, unlike at any other point in human history. And that, that there were some there who were standing with Him who saw that happen, who experienced that firsthand. So, what we just see, and I'm not going to take time to talk about this morning, but amongst the, the the ministry of the Holy Spirit to His people and on this earth is that there's this sort of the world of heaven and all that the world of heaven means of, of God's people being in right relationship with Him, being in God's presence and His rule being extended to all things. that When the Holy Spirit's presence came, that, that we see that, that beginning to collide with earth and, and taking shape and, and taking effect now of the curse no, of being broken and the curse being reversed and this, the, the, this new people coming together. And so some were alive to see the, the inauguration of that day. But in verse 26, he says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Now, when he says, Whoever is ashamed of him and his words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of. Basically saying, if you don't don't want me to deny you in heaven, don't deny me on earth. Do you see the? At least it just jumps out to me. The irony of this—I'm not sure if irony is the right word—just the the absurdity of that statement. I remember when we were—I was in when I was in college. And there was this buddy of mine who was a typical college guy, right? So, as a typical college guy, he wanted a college girlfriend, right? And so we had this—you know—we talked about how you know he wanted go out with this girl. And anyway, so there's one day this girl kind of entered our, our little sphere and a little orbit. And, you know, she was pretty and she was funny and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, she was kind of that, you know, one of those girls that like most guys had a crush on, not me. I just want to make it very clear. I never had a crush on anybody else. But, but she was, you know, one of these girls that everybody had a crush on. And like he asked that like this friend out, he asked our friend out and he said no. And like all of us, were talking like what were you, th- like, why did you say no? Like, what, what, what was going through my mind when, like, the story was repeated, like, everybody's first assumption was like, oh, she said no to him, right? Like, like nobody had in their mind, like, she, he, he would say no to her, and she would say yes to him. Like, that was, like, that was just category confusion, like, ne- like and it pr- pretty, be- like, it pointed out to him pretty quickly, he was like, I think I made a mistake, didn't I? And like, everybody's like, yeah, you, you made a mistake, like, you should not have said that. No- like, what were you thinking in this, you know, and all this kind of stuff, right? I, I remember when one of the first times I brought M home to like meet my family and visit my family, there's one family friend who was with us and kind of friends with my parents, and we were we were good friends. And she, you know, she's talking to M for a little bit. She pulls me aside after like ten minutes. She's like, Adam, I like this. I, I like her. You you better not blow this, right? And she just had that like seriously, like, like in her mind, there was no category of hey, we're kind of in the same league here, and I could blow it and she could blow it. Like that was like, he's like nope, like you do whatever you can do to get her down the aisle. Like, you don't blow this at them, right? You're just, you're playing in different leagues. Like, this is just, like, that, that's just the category my friend Karen had, right? Some, something here should, should jump out to us as we hear Jesus talking. It's like, wait, us deny Jesus? No, like, uh, us deny Jesus? No, no, he's the one that's supposed to deny us, right? We're the ones who who are lowly. We're the ones who are sinful. We're the ones who are powerless. We're the ones who are completely dependent. We should be the ones doing all we could to claim him. He's the one who has a right to deny us. But here's what is true, and here's how corrosive and how blinding our sin is. That here's Jesus, the God of all glory, of all beauty, of all wisdom, of all power, of all strength, of all justice, of all mercy, and of all love. And we're so blind by our sin. We're self, so self-deceived by our sin that we don't see him, And we see something right in front of us instead as more valuable and as more, more, of more worth and of more beauty. We, we see something right in front of us like popularity or praise or hiding from pain and we, we deny Him. And we should just recognize, wait, this is, this is supposed to be the other way around. But here's the twist. Though he should reject us, he loves us and accepts us and calls us. But he could only do that because of what he said he would do in our last passage, because he suffered and he died. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He was rejected so that we as his people could be accepted. He was rejected and condemned so that we could be forgiven and accepted. But it's not just one time it's it's that, it's that it's not just so that one time in our history we, we we might we might accept him it's so that he could offer ongoing mercy to people who have rejected him see here here's here's what we should see there, there's just such an overwhelming amount of mercy in this statement right here's the reality we we've, we've all rejected jesus Before conversion, our lifestyle was of rejection of Jesus, of living in denial of Jesus. But even as believers, we've we've all rejected Jesus at some point. All of our sin, in some ways, is a rejection of Jesus and of His rule and His right to reign in our lives. That's what sin is. It's a rejection of the reign of Jesus Christ. I can think about times where I was a student and I, I, I didn't speak up for Jesus and I didn't defend his words that I was, that I, because it was unpopular or just different times in my life where I rejected Jesus, that we've all rejected Jesus. As we read this, we should think, wait, we've all rejected him. We should all see our names being rejected by him. But because of his rejection, we're still accepted. And then in his mercy, it's not just that, okay, he... he Okay, once, we're in the, once we, we, we sort of trust in him, it's now on us to keep a perfect track record of, of total acceptance to Jesus. It's that he continues to, to win those who, who continue to have rejected him. And, and he continues to transform us by his love, by his forbearing and by his patient and his enduring love for us and his grace upon grace upon grace in our life so that we turn from those who no longer reject him but to those who proclaim him. But we should just see that it's because of He ultimately took our rejection on Him. So crossless Christianity is crownless Christianity. Fourth, we see this, the tragedy of not following Him. The tragedy of not following Him. So Jesus, in this teaching, wants people to avoid tragedy. I hope one tragedy is obvious, that to lose one's soul are souls of infinite worth you can take all the value of the world, you can, you can add it all up, and it is worth less than your soul. You, we are made for eternity. To trade that for fleeting glory is just simply a tragedy. So if you've never trusted in Jesus or you aren't sure, I'm not going to lie, there's a high cost to do so. But the cost is so much higher to not do so. But also want to note that Jesus here is, is talking to his disciples. He's talking to those who claim Jesus. He's talking to those who just claimed him to be the Christ. And he's still saying, okay, since that's true, since you see me in a sense for who I am, make sure then now you pick up your cross and daily follow me. Don't you deny me. Like he's, he's saying to his people, don't he's to avoid tragedy to not lose yourself to not lose your soul so he's he's talking primarily not just to the culture and to the crowd he's primarily talking to his people and so i think there's two ways that this can mean one is that listen just remind yourself this is the mark this is the call this is the command of a disciple and so it should mark them increasingly onward as they know him and so it would just be tragic to assume you are a disciple but find out you are not because you didn't know what it meant. And so there's a call here to examine yourself and say, am I doing what he has called me to do? Am I, am, do I live my life following after him? Do I take my cross daily? Do I deny myself and follow him? Does that mark my life? And so there's a, a call to examine to make sure that we really are numbered amongst his people. But I think there's also another tragedy that he wants us to avoid. You see, the reason that crossless... Christianity is crownless is because ultimately it, it, it's Christless. If we don't have the cross, if we don't, we do, it's to try to follow Christ. It's to try to claim Christ without following the way of Christ. And that can look like you know, living the ethics of a disciple. You know, don't lie, don't steal, don't do those things. Without the power of Christ or for the glory of Christ, it's trying to be a good person by a worldly definition and not depending on him. and they're, they're just, he, There's no life in that. I think primarily it's, it's, it's wanting, in a sense, he wants us to avoid the tragedy of, of mistaking and, and just wrongly thinking we can get the best of both. That we can claim enough of Christ and follow him enough to get to heaven, but still enjoy all the things of this world. And Jesus is making plain, that's not a disciple. He, here's the one who follows him. There are those who once they see him for who he is, that he is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the God of all glory who, who sees him. And more and more in their lives, they don't live their life for, okay, I just want enough of him. It's, oh, I can't get enough of him. Because you are the one I was made for. You are the one who is worth losing everything for. Who, who's able to do the equation in their head of like, who sees that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so they so desire to live for the person they were made for and for the place they were laid for and have that transform each and every day of their life. And it would be a tragedy to think, okay, I'm going to partly live for that day, partly live for that place, but more and more live for here. He's saying that, that's impossible and that's a tragedy that's wasting your life. Now, it, God in his mercy forgives those that have denied. God in his mercy forgives those who have not lived fully for him and who have lived distracted by the world. But increasingly we want to be those who as we as we pick up our cross, as we follow him, we see because we were made for him, because he is the ultimate source of joy, because in following him there is actual life. And so we look forward to the day. And we want to live more fully in light of the day where we are undistracted by anything else in this world, undistracted by all these fleeting things, all these other worldly things that are here now, gone tomorrow, that that, that ultimately add up to nothing. We want to live more and more in light, not just undistracted by those things, but we want to live more and more in light of the reality of that day is coming. And I want, to live my, I want to live today in light of that, the reality that that day is coming and that we will see Jesus face to face. We will be with Him in glory. And that should so transform our view of today that we live in light of that. That we live today in light of that day. That we, that we live knowing full where that that day is coming, where we will be undistracted by any other thing. So we want to live our life on mission now of preparing us for that day. We want to live our life on mission now of, okay, what are the... What's this earth for? This earth isn't for sort of taking the best of now and the best of and, and getting the best of tomorrow. Okay, there's a mission here on earth that, there's a, that there are those that, that don't proclaim him because they don't yet see his beauty, that we can tell the news now of those who are wandering outside of that kingdom that we can proclaim to a generation that doesn't know the deeds of the Lord, the, de- the wondrous deeds of the Lord, because that's what it looks like for us to carry the cross today, is to proclaim to those who do not know him yet, to those who don't see him yet, don't see his beauty yet, that, that, that those who are, they are trying to keep a tight grip on their life and they find that they are losing it as they desperately are trying to cling, cling to it, we can say, we can proclaim to those. Because we recognize in glory the crown awaits, the crown of seeing Christ with unveiled eyes, the crowns that we get to throw at His feet, the crown of hearing from the only opinion in all the universe that matters, well done, that that day is coming. You know, I, I, I really... I really enjoy weddings. And I don't, I don't like dancing, just to be of no surprise to anyone. And I, I do like food. But, but there's moments in weddings that I just... Th- and there's this moment at, at every wedding I've been to, and I've gotten to officiate a number of weddings, where, where just there's this... There's this sort of... There's this... There's this anticipation of what's inevitably going to take place. Like, we know these two people are going to meet at the end of the altar, and all this... But there's just, like, this joyful anticipation of it. But I, but I love and being able to be on... Pastoral side of it a number of times where, like, I'm like closer to them than they are to each other. If that makes sense, like, I'm I'm like in between these two people, but like, watching these two people's faces, who like all this planning that went into the day, all the all this all the details of all the things that went into the day, and all and like all of that just fades as as they're looking at each other and just realize this this moment is so special that that all that has been building towards this moment, everything else has just paled. That in a sense, there's that moment in every wedding where like. There's, there's whatever, hundreds of other people there, but for them, there's only one other person there that matters. I just love watching that, that, that moment unfold and the anticipation for them that this is the beginning of the road, not the end of the road. So we, we live for a day that is coming. We live for a crown that awaits. The crown that awaits is, is so much bigger than and worthy than 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 the cross that is born for us. So it, it's 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 a tragedy, not to get there. But it's a tragedy of our life to not live in light of that day, to not to to, to live with, with two days on our calendar. To to, to live for, for both here and now and then. No, it's a tragedy to waste our life trying to to take the things of this world and distract us from that day. So the, the the cross, and bearing the cross. Daily picking it up and following him is hard. But it's ultimately the road that leads to life. And so we bear our cross for the one who bore the cross. Let's pray. Father, would you increasingly help us to be as a a people who pick up our cross daily and follow you? Would we be those who deny ourselves, not in some... So so a way that can be so misconstrued and misunderstood. We just, we deny, we deny ourselves at the center. We see the joylessness of us at the center of the universe and the freeing joy that it is to have to live with the world, with King Jesus as the reign and the ruler, the center of all things. Lord, would we each more and more pick up the cross and follow you and find that not only does it lead to daily death, but it leads to surpassing life. So Lord, would you help us to be those who are faithful, to keep walking with you, to die to ourselves daily. And Lord, would, as there is daily death, would not just be us who have life, but Lord, would there be others who see something of supreme value that they're not living for, that that creates a taste for, creates a hunger for. So would you Use this not only to, to lead the life for us, but Lord, would you help it? to? Lord, we pray that it would lead the life for others as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see.